1 Samuel chapter 17, we'll begin reading here in verse number 1, and I'm going to preach this message on David and Goliath. It's a very lengthy chapter, and we're going to break it up into a few parts, but uh, we'll introduce and begin here in chapter number 17 with verse number 1, the story of David and Goliath. Saul has become the king, Saul has uh, just failed miserably, and now God has picked another king. And uh, God has chosen David. And we remember talking about David and he being the shepherd boy. And uh, Jesse had, is his father. And Samuel the prophet had gone to their home. And uh, the older, Eliab, and the other boys come before Samuel the prophet. And God says, no, 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 no. Until finally, is there no more sons? They said, well, there's the youngest. He's in the field keeping the sheep. Send for him. We're not going to sit down until he gets here. And David walks in the room and God speaks to the prophet Samuel and says, There is my man. And David is anointed to be the next king of Israel. And God has begun the work. It's, uh, as soon as David is anointed to be the king of Israel, God is putting the pieces together. And David ends up in the king's house playing the harp because he was cunning on a harp. Playing for King Saul and becomes the king's armor bearer. And then war happens. The Philistines... Rise up again against the nation of Israel. David goes back to keep the sheep. The three older brothers make their way to the battlefield. And there is a notable uh, foe named Goliath. We're going to read beginning here in verse number 1, chapter number 17. The Bible says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shaco, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shaco and Azekiah, and Ephes Damon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah, and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits. And a span. The first thing you got to think when you read that six cubits and a span is how big's that? And most people believe there's some variation. Most people believe it's somewhere between nine foot six and ten foot six. He was one big dude. I'm pretty sure that's what the Bible says. Nine foot six inches tall. The Bible says in verse number five, and he had an helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. How heavy is that? Somewhere in the neighborhood of 125 pounds. He put on himself a coat of mail, coat of armor, and it weighed 125 pounds. I would ask folks to raise their hands if they weigh 125 pounds or less, but that would be embarrassing. So we won't. But 125-pound coat of mail. The Bible says in verse number 6, and he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. A weaver's beam. Have you ever seen a, uh, a loom, something that you'd weave with? The top pole in a loom is the weaver's beam. It's a pretty thick piece of wood. It's not like a beam in a barn, but it was a really thick piece of wood that had the uh, strength to hold together a piece of fabric it was, as it was woven and pounded together, the weaver's beam. The Bible says his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron. 
and one beareth the shield before him. The spear was about 13 pounds. How many of you have ever uh, picked up uh, a 15, 10 or 15 pound sledgehammer? And he had the ability to throw that thing. Uh, and uh, so the spear was like 13 pounds. I actually saw online something that I think I really need, a reproduction of Goliath's spear. Hey, you got to see that's really cool. They have one at the uh, uh, Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. But at uh, any rate, it was giant. It was big. The Bible says that he stood in verse number 8 and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that, will, that may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistines, of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. I read verse number 11. And there's two words very important in verse number 11. The whole nation of Israel, when faced by this giant Goliath, they had two responses and God recorded it for us. The first one, they were dismayed. The word dismay means uh, uncertain what to do, confused. What do we do? Scared because of we don't know what to do. Dismayed and greatly afraid. And I couldn't help but think of one of my favorite verses in the Bible. The Bible says in Isaiah 41, 10, Fear thou not, for I, I am with thee. Be not dismayed. I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And you know, I think it's kind of interesting to see that the whole army of Israel was afraid and dismayed. And I can't help but know that there's no doubt that in our own hearts and lives as we face the troubles of life and difficulties and things that are bigger than us, like a giant, that those are two emotions that creep into our spirits, dismay and fear. And I just want to remind you, on this moment in the history of the nation of Israel, there was no good reason why the armies of Israel were dismayed and afraid. Number one, God would lead them and guide them and direct them and protect them. And number two, they had no reason to be afraid because greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. And the truth of that is something that translates into the moment, this moment right now. And you're facing things that are bigger than you. And I want to encourage you to know that there's no need to be dismayed or afraid. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. I am thy God. The nation of Israel, the armies, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. In verse number 12, the Bible says, David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. And the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons that went to battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next unto him Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. When I read verse number 15, I can't help but see some disappointment in the heart of David. 
that we see as we study the life of David. He was a young man and a man that loved excitement and loved adventure and was courageous. And here David is. He's been playing the harp in the king's house. An armor bearer to King Saul. And the battle comes up. And guess where David has to go? He has to go back home, back to the shepherd's field. Back to serving in a menial task in the family. I can't help but see some disappointment. His heart and life as his three older brothers go to fight a battle and David comes back to the shepherd's field. Verse 16. The Bible says, And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. That brings us to our message this evening. Morning and evening for 40 days, Goliath steps out on the battlefield. The nation of Israel is on one side of a valley. The Philistine army is on the other side of a valley and Goliath steps out, this mighty, powerful giant of a man and curses God and curses the nation of Israel and brings his challenge. Send somebody out here to fight me. If I win, you serve us. If you win, we serve you. Bring a man if you dare. If you dare. The Bible begins to give us some insight. And David, as you know very well, David in just a few minutes is going to be fighting this giant. But God uses some very special things about David and in David's life that helps him to have the ability to overcome the giants of life. Tonight's message is titled that, Overcoming Life's Giants. Overcoming Life's Giants. And we can see some things in the life of David that help us understand how to do that. The first thing I want you to pay attention to this evening is this. Number one, David was obedient to the little task. David was obedient to the little task. The Bible says in verse number 17, And Jesse said unto David, his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves, and run to the camp to thy brethren, and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand, and look how thy brethren fare. And take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Eli fighting with the Philistines. Then David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper. And took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. The first thing I want to pay attention to this evening is this, that David was obedient to the little task. Now, when I read for the very first time in a while, verse 15, I was reminded again of what it would have been like for, and I imagine what it would have been like for a young man to be moved from the king's house and an armor bearer to King Saul back to the shepherd's field. How many of you love it when you get demoted? How many of you think that's just awesome? I mean, it's so much fun when you get your hopes up and you're moving forward and everything's going the right direction and then something happens and you get knocked down a rung on the ladder. How many of you ever been knocked down a rung on the ladder? It's not fun, is it? David gets knocked down a rung on the ladder and I'm encouraged by the fact that even though he wasn't playing the role that no doubt a young man wanted to play, he found himself faithful to what God had given him to do. 
When David had to move from the king's house back to the shepherd's field of necessity and most likely by order, what did he do? He left the king's house and went to the shepherd's field. And we have evidence here that what David was given to do, he did it and did it well. He was obedient to the things that were little. He was faithful. He was diligent about things that were small. Folks, I want you to know something. If God can't trust you with small things, there's no way God will trust you with big things. My mom was faithful to preach to me as a child, and I'm thankful. A passage of Scripture that I want you to hear. Luke chapter 16, verse number 10, the Bible says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. It's true. It's true. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in that which is much. If God can't trust you with the small things that he's given you to do at this moment, how do you think he's going to trust you with something great? And if you're not faithful with the things that are small, how do you expect you'll ever have an opportunity to be faithful with things that are great? If you think somehow I'm given great responsibility, then I will be greatly responsible. That's a lie. It doesn't work that way. Your Christian character is not determined by the size of your responsibility. Christian character precedes responsibility. And if you have Christian character, you'll take care of what's small. And if you have Christian character, you'll take care of what's great. And you'll please God and you'll be glad you did. Dave was obedient in that which was least. Verse 11 of Luke chapter 16, let me read it to you. If therefore you have not been faithful... In the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? He that's faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And David, he was faithful. When he left the king's house and came back to the shepherd's field, he was faithful as a shepherd. And there's some things I think that's pretty exciting to see. Verse number 17, Jesse said to David, Take now for thy brethren eat for this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp. To thy brethren, carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand and look how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have had a little bit of hard time because I've got an ego and... Don't we all? But wouldn't it be hard to go from playing the chief musician for the king of Israel to being the man that's carrying the cheese? He's the cheese hauler. Who wants to be the cheese? That's an exciting job, right? You need to carry the cheese and check on your older brothers like a good little boy. <laughs> but I want you to see what he does. The Bible says in verse for 20, David rose up early in the morning. I, I like that little phrase. And God put it there for a reason. He rose up early in the morning. How many of you, you have something to do that you don't would rather not do and you just tend to put it off and put it off? Well, David, he rose up early. He was probably excited to go see what was going on, but he did the menial task and he did it with diligence. I like it. He rose up early in the morning. And the Bible says next, verse 20, this is so important to me. He rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper. Now, I love that little phrase. David was the kind of man, young man, who took care of responsibilities. When he was given a task, he took care of it. 
I just love the fact that God made sure that we know that when he left the sheep, he didn't just leave the sheep. He didn't say, oh, well, Dad said, go to the check on the battle. I guess he figured out, he'll figure out somebody to take care of these sheep. And he just, no, there was not a bum bone in David's body. He made sure that the responsibilities were taken care of. Now, look, that is so simple, but it is so important that young people and adults alike get to the place where they take responsibility for their own actions and do things and do things well and decide that whatever I do, I'm going to do it heartily unto the Lord. Responsible. My, I love it. What's this have to do with killing? I'll tell you, it has everything to do with killing a giant. He took care of the small things. He was a man of character and God trusted him to slay a giant. It's important. And I just love it. He left the sheep with a keeper. What's that mean? He just took care of his responsibilities. That's not the only time that we see him being responsible like this. Verse number 22. He's already made his way to the battle. He's already heard the Philistines. He's already shouted for the battle. And the Bible says in verse 22 that David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage. He was even responsible for what his daddy had sent with him. He made sure his carriage was taken care of before he went on and ran to the army and saluted his brethren. Now, it may seem insignificant, but two times God has made it very plain that David took care of the things that he was supposed to take care of. He was responsible. And I'll tell you something. If you're irresponsible and lazy, I hope if you're a child of God that God will convict you of that. There's no room for it in our Christian lives. David was able to overcome the giants of his life because he was obedient to little tasks. He had the right attitude, too. I like something about verse, the more things about verse number 20. The Bible says that he went as Jesse had commanded. He obeyed his father. Very important. He came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight. And the Bible says in the last phrase of verse number 20 that he shouted for the battle. You see, I don't see in David somebody that's like <sighs> huffing and puffing and blowing and griping and complaining because he had to carry the cheese and check on my brothers. When he got there, I see somebody that's taking care of business, that's been responsible. He's got his head up, his eyes open. He's not lethargic. He's alert. He's not lazy. He's diligent. And when he gets there, he sees what's going on. And we see that spirit of David rise up in and he shouts for the battle. I'll just tell you something. That's the kind of spirit that pleases the Lord and the kind of spirit that conquers giants in life. You're never going to get the victory stomping around mad and fussing and blaming everybody and their brother for things that have gone wrong in your life. And David was victorious and God uses David in a mighty way. And I believe it has a lot to do with the fact that he was faithful in the little things. David was obedient to the little tasks. Number two. David had a noble cause. David had a noble cause. So David comes on the scene, and Goliath is making a scene, and he overhears what's happening. Verse 23, the Bible says, And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, 
the Philistine of Gath. Now, I was fascinated by the word champion. You know, in 1 Samuel 17 is the only time the word champion is used in the Bible. And you're going to be so impressed with the meaning of the word champion. The word champion literally means a man that stands in between. <laughs> it's got an unusual champion. I think it became a word that we associated with somebody that was a winner, a champion. But he was the man in, that stood in between. All they said was there came a champion. He was the man that had came from the Philistine side of the war and stood in the middle and cried out and defied God. He was the champion, Goliath. There came out a champion. Of the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. Earlier he'd cursed God. And earlier he'd challenged the nation of Israel, the armies of Israel. And he spoke, spake according to the same words, and David heard them. The Bible says in verse 24, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have ye seen this man that is come up surely to defy Israel? Is he come up? And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And David hears this. And the men are like, you know, whoever steps up the plate and defeats this man, they'll get great riches. And David says, so what will he get? Okay, he gets his daughter, he gets uh, prestige in his father's house. But David, you see him move from what is the spoils of the battle to the source of the need to fight it. I love the fact that David is most concerned about the fact that this giant is cursing God. He cares less about what he'll get for defeating that enemy than he does protecting the holy name of righteous God. Now, the Bible says that he says, who does this Philistine say that he is? Define, believe that he is defying the armies of the living God. The people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. Eliab, his eldest, verse, verse 28, his brother, heard when he spake unto the, men, unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down th hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know that thy pride, the naughtiness of thine heart, Thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. Oh, man, Eliab is nasty to David. And the Bible says, verse 29, And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Well, I love that phrase. So many sermons have been preached from that verse. Is there not a cause? The answer is yes. The name of God, the work of the gospel, the ministry of the word of God, is reason enough to live and die and fight and serve and preach and sacrifice. And David said, I've heard this giant curse my God one too many times. And the thing that motivated David was the fact that he needed to stand up for God and for the glory of God. And he wanted to see God change the lives of people and prove himself before his own people, his own brothers, his own nation. And David said, is there not a cause? Let me tell you something. 
If you get in a situation where the only thing that motivates you in life is what you can get for yourself, before long, you'll find out that is not a worthy cause. Acquiring things to please you will ultimately leave you empty. But I'll tell you something. When you decide to yoke up with the Lord Jesus Christ and the message of the gospel and the work that matters for eternity while you live on this earth, you'll find yourself connected to something that matters and you'll have a cause that's worth fighting for. David, he defeats Goliath. He marries Saul's daughter. He lives in the palace. But all through David's career and life, he had some oops along the way. But all through David's life, we see it. And he makes it plain that all through life he wanted to please the Lord. Folks, I'll have you know something. If you'll be motivated to live your life for the glory of God and live your life for eternity, you'll have a life that's lived with cause and purpose. And a life that's lived with cause and purpose is one that has the ability to overcome great things and great giants and big enemies. There was a cause. The name of God. I'll tell you, we live in a moment where it's important that saved people stand up and speak out and speak up for the word of God. For the message of the gospel. Oh, this is not the time to be silent, politically correct. This is the time to speak up, speak out, be heard. Preach the word of God with compassion fervor and love the spirit of Christ oh we have a reason we have a cause people need the Lord and David knew it and David fought for a cause David had a noble cause he was obedient to the little task number two David had a cause and number three David had a proven weapon David had a proven weapon look at the scripture says here in verse 30 And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him, the giant. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man from, of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I called him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. What's David say? Saul says, now look, this is a giant. You're going to fight a giant. And David says, I hear you. He says, but the same God that helped me conquer a lion and a bear is the same God that will give me victory over this giant. Folks, I love the fact that because God has been faithful in the past, we can rest in the present knowing that God will give us victory in the future. The Lord, he has. The Lord, he will. The Lord, in David's case, he did. God will be faithful. David, 
said God's proven himself before. I'll trust him. So the Bible says in verse 37, David said, The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Verse 38, And Saul armed David with his armor. I like this picture. David is putting on Saul's armor. Now, David was not a little tiny guy. Sometimes the artists depict him as being swallowed up in Saul's armor. He was a man, a young man, maybe not quite as tall as Saul. Saul was a tall man. He was head and shoulders above everybody else except for Goliath. But he is handed Saul's armor. The Bible says that in verse 39, David girded his sword upon his armor and he essayed to go. He said, I won't go for he had not proved it. I like that little phrase. He said, I can't go with this, wearing this, and carrying this sword. He says, I've not proved this. It's not proven. David said unto Saul, I can't go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. What did he do? He goes down to the brook and grabs five smooth stones. There's an interesting crossroads. You may put this in the uh, margin of your Bible. 2 Samuel 21, 22. Some people wonder, why in the world did he pick up five stones? Well, you can find in 2 Samuel 21, 22 that Goliath had four sons. And I just can't help but believe that David went down to that brook expecting after he got took care of Goliath, he's going to have to hit four more giant boys too. At any rate, he takes five smooth stones and embarks on his war. Look at the what the Bible says in verse 41. The Philistine Goliath came and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy, red, and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with stay? Am I a dog that you brought sticks out here to fight me? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. Verse 46, David starts speaking pretty tough here. Listen to the words, the strong words that David uses when he looks Goliath right in the face. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistine this day and to the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. (laughs) I like that. Why was David able to be so bold? Because he was a young fool. No. He was able to be so bold because... What he was fighting with had stood the test of time and was proven. Folks, I want you to understand something. You can try to fight the good fight of faith with the world's means, but those weapons have not been proven. But you can fight 
the work for the cause of Christ, I should say. You can fight for the cause of Christ with the weapons of God's warfare, and you'll find out that they work. Righteousness, faithfulness, consistency, trusting in the Lord. He was bold as a lion. Why? Because God was always faithful. He was always faithful. You know the story. I'd like to read it to you as we conclude. The Bible says in verse number 48, It came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. You see the boldness of David? I don't know about you. If I was getting ready to fight the Philistine, I, I've, you've seen these reels of the guy boxing, and he's backing up the whole time. Uh, that's kind of the way I feel like I'd be. But the Bible says David runs right to meet the Philistine. Verse 49, David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Guess what God did? God wrought great victory. David got victory over the giant. Now, folks, we're not facing Goliath. But I'll tell you, there are tough things ahead for all of us. It's just how it is. It's the same. We could preach the same message 50 years ago, and we would have said there's tough things ahead. And there is. We live in a sin-cursed world that needs Jesus, and God's people have been tasked with the task of sharing the gospel with the whole world, tasked with the task of living holy and righteously in the midst of wickedness. And we can do it with joy. We can do it with victory. Because God has promised to give us victory over the giants. The giants in life, God will give you victory. How can I have victory? I'll tell you. If you'll be obedient to the little things and faithful in that which is least, God will help you. David was obedient to the little task. David had a noble cause. David had a proven weapon. You can trust the Lord. God gave him victory. God gave him victory. And guess what? The same God that gave David victory will give you victory too. Trust him. Believe him. Serve him. You'll find God faithful. We're on the winning side. There's victory in Jesus. Hallelujah. David won. You know David, he had an uphill climb from the very beginning of the story. Think about his critics. He had family critics. Eliab, his brother. You remember Eliab, his brother? He said, you naughty little boy. His brother was a critic to his motive. Saul was an official critic. Saul was a critic of his means. He says, you're too little. You have no weapons. And Goliath was an enemy critic. He was critical of his might and ability. But I want you to know something. David chose God and silenced all of his critics. God proved himself faithful. He'll do the same for you. You can trust him. May God help us to overcome the giants of life through faith in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ.